that was trying to get through to this. Now, I'm going to share this with you. Don't crucify me. And uh, don't try to use this into a doctrinal you know, trace or anything. But uh, uh, Indiana Jones movie. There was one that was where Indiana was looking for the Holy Grail, the cup of the Lord. Supposedly that this cup had been used and caught some of the blood of Christ. And, and if you drank from it, you had eternal life. That is not the truth, okay? That was a movie. But I thought what it had in the search of it was quite illustrative of what I'm talking about today. And the illustration went that when he and his team finally arrived at the site where they were coming to look for the Holy Grail, they had to go through a number of tests to get to the specific room where it rested. He faced death. He faced, uh, he had spelled Jehovah uh, the correct way in Latin. He had to um, take a step of faith. Uh, out across a, uh, um, a cliff where they could not see. And then when he finally got into the, uh, uh, the room where the cups were, he faced the challenge there of choosing the cup that belonged to a carpenter from Nazareth. And his enemies were pursuing him, and they also uh, ended up meeting in the same room with the assortment of cups. And, and there was a guardian knight that was there. The guardian knight said to the people that was to choose the cup, they, they would choose carefully. Specifically, his words were choose wisely because there were going to be consequences to the choice. If they chose wisely, it would be life. If they chose unwisely and drank with another cup, it would mean death. So choosing had serious consequences but they had to make a choice Joshua's challenge to us that I read a while ago was the same kind of challenge or choice choose you this day whom you'll serve as we'll see with Moses who is on the Lord's side make a choice we'll find out there is no middle ground you're either on the Lord's side or you're not so let's look and see what Moses had to say. In uh, verses 19 through 26 that Stephen read, it talked about Moses being up on uh, uh, Mount Sinai. God was giving him the Ten Commandments and two stone tablets. Um, Joshua had gone up a little ways and was there waiting for Moses, but Moses had been up on top of the mountain for quite a while. And the people began to be concerned and to doubt and say, we don't know about this Moses, whether he's coming back or not. So they went to Aaron, his brother, and he said, how about uh, making us a God that we can see, that we can follow, because we don't know about Moses and, and what he's doing. And so Aaron gave in, and he got all of their jewelry, and, and he made this golden calf. And they began to worship this golden calf, and and the scripture even says that there was singing and there was dancing and they became naked and, they, and all of this was going on in perversion. And, and Moses, God told him to get out off the, the mount that the people uh, had sinned against him. And he was coming down and he met Joshua there. And, and Moses said, you know, it sounds like uh, a noise there in the camp. And, and Joshua said, it sounds like war. Moses said, no, it's music and, and dancing, and, but it wasn't music of praise unto the Lord. It was more of the world's music. It would have been, sounded like a war that was going on, would have been the style, I guess it would have been more uh, realistic. But it was this false worshiping, this worshiping of false gods that was taking place. A god that they had made, a calf that they would bow down to. Now, in their minds, that calf represented Jehovah God. In their minds, it was the real God that they were giving their worship to. But God was making it very clear in their past and even in their presence that that was not the way to come to Him. It was the way in which others wanted to worship. There are many religions in the world that have their idols. There are many religions in the world that have their statues, their rituals that they go through. 
That is not the relationship that God describes in Scripture that we're to have with Him. It is a difference, and we need to understand it. <clears throat> Moses presented them a choice when he got there before the people, and Moses, after destroying the calf and, and uh, calf there in Canaan, in verse 26, he stood in the gate of the camp and he said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And it says that all of the sons of Levi, the tribe of Levi, gathered themselves together with him. Twelve tribes of Israel, one tribe, gathered unto Moses to stand there with him on the Lord's side. Now, there's a lot more that we can learn through the illustration that's there, but I want us to, to gather with what uh, Moses has said in this challenge. It's one that's similar to what we saw with Joshua. It's one similar that we read and study with Elijah. You remember Elijah? In 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. In other words, how long are you going to sit here and not make a choice? Make your choice. And then follow the one that's God. I'm here today to tell you that we've all made our choice. I pray that we've chosen wisely in the choice that we've made. Today, the Lord Jesus Christ confronts us with the same question. He asked me and he asked you, who is on the Lord's side? And we have got to respond in kind. How many of us would say that we're on the Lord's side? I pray that every hand would go up. Every one of us would say, I'm on the Lord's side. But I'm going to ask you to do something more than say that you're on the Lord's side today. Anybody can sit there and say it. But the sons of Aaron got up and joined Moses. Now, don't get nervous. I'm not going to get you to join me up here standing. I could. That would be very close to the text. But I want to be in your life more than just saying, yeah, I'm on the Lord's side. Because we need to look today and say and ask the questions, what does that look like? What does it mean to be on the Lord's side? What does it mean to, to say, hey, I'm on the Lord's side? What does that include? What are those characteristics? There are three questions that I want to ask that I believe will help us to understand. Father, I pray right now that you would help me to be able to share very clearly the truth that you've laid upon my heart. That we would understand that truth and that we would listen carefully in order to apply that to us and to evaluate ourselves to make sure that we're not just saying that we're on your side, but Lord, we have indeed uh, taken the steps to stand with you. And I pray that as we leave out of here today, that would be not only our testimony, but that would be the example of our lives that others see. For us in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Three questions. Number one, what does it mean to be on the Lord's side? Well, simply put, I believe we can state that it means that we stand with Him and we stand with His ways. We stand with Him and we stand with His ways. Uh, recently in my devotions, I read in 2 Chronicles 15 and verse 2, it said that and Azariah the prophet went to, out to meet King Asa. King Asa was one of the good kings of Judah. And all Judah and Benjamin there with him. And he said unto him, he says, The Lord is with you. Isn't that wonderful? I preached messages before and I, I reminded you that the Lord is with us as believers. And that's a great comfort. He tells us in scripture, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But I want you to understand today when it means what it means, what God in, intends for it to mean, when it said the Lord is with you. Because in that verse that I just read to you, he said, Asa said, excuse me, Azariah said to Asa and all the rest of the people of Israel of Judah there, he said, The Lord is with you while ye be with him. That's the big difference. The Lord 
is with you while you be with him. There are some people as believers that look and they say, God, I hope you know this is what I got planned. I hope you're on my side. Come be with me as I go do what I want to do. Now we may not put it exactly like that, but that's kind of what we do. We make our choices and we pray, Lord, bless us. We make our choices and we hope the Lord is going to be there with us as we do it. But the question is, are we with Him? Some people say, Pastor, you've got splitting hairs here. Well, let me show you an illustration of why this is not splitting hairs. If you want to turn with me, you can see it over in Joshua chapter 5. In Joshua chapter 5, you know that Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Remember a little story where I, I shared recently where the pastor asked the, the uh, Sunday school boys in class, you know, who, who broke down the wall of Jericho? <laughs> the little boy said, I didn't do it, I promise you. Uh, well, before Joshua and the children of Israel fought the battle of Jericho and the Lord knocked down the wall, Joshua went out and surveyed around the city. And as he was out that night, in, in verse 13 of chapter 5 of Joshua, it says, And it came to pass, it came to pass when Joshua was, was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, uh, uh, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us? Or for our adversaries. In other words, he went to this man with his sword drawn there, and he asked him, Are you for us? Or are you for our enemy? Whose side are you on? And what did this man, as we'll see, what did God the Son say? This is a theophany, a Christophany, an appearance of God the Son in a human form before he took on flesh in Bethlehem as Jesus. This man said, Nay, neither. I'm not on your side. I'm not on... That's the wrong question, he said. The question ought to be, Are you on my side? <laughs> That's what God asked. Neither. But as captain of the host of the Lord am I uh, now come. I am the captain of the host of God's angels. And Joshua fell on his feet to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose the shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Remember last time we read that would have been in Exodus chapter 3 at a thing called the burning bush. Moses was standing there and God, the Son, spoke from the burning bush and, and he told him, I am that I am. Tell the children of Israel that I am have sent thee. And God spoke to him out of the bush. But before he spoke, he told him, he says, take the shoes off of your feet for the ground in which you're standing upon is holy ground. Why? Because the presence of God was there. And the presence of God was before Joshua. And this angel of the Lord, this, this God the Son in his appearance, received worship from Joshua. No angel of God would ever receive worship from a man. He always turns worship to God. But here, this is God. And he receives the worship. And he says, remove your shoes for your own holy ground. And he said, you've asked the wrong question. I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. The question is, are you on my side? That's always the question that's before us. And so God had Moses ask the, question, the right question. Who is on the Lord's side? That's the one that we've got to ask. It's not that I hope he's on my side, but have, have I made the choice to be on his side? It means that we're on his side when it comes to several things, as an example. For instance, salvation. 
we understand uh, what it means when God says and talks about salvation. Because there are some people that don't. Matter of fact, there are many people in this world have different views as to what salvation is all about. How do you get to heaven? It's possible that I could ask, meet with you individually and, and talk to each one of you individually and ask that question. Could you tell me right now, the best you can, how you hope to get to heaven? What are you depending on? I hope everybody would say the same thing. Because there's only one right answer. And guess what? It's not my answer. It's not your answer. It's not the, the Baptist answer. It's not the Catholic answer. It's not the Presbyterian answer. It's not the answer of religion. It's not the, any old answer as long as you're sincere. But it's God's answer. It's the one that He says, this is the way. What did Jesus say in John 14, 6? I am the, the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, I'm not a way, but He says, I am the way, the only way. Acts 4, 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is only at the name of Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, all of mankind. And that's the man Christ Jesus. There is only one way, God says. Understand, there is one God. Not many different ones. There's one mediator, one way to get to that God. And it's through Jesus Christ. And God says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is not willing. It's not God's will for anybody to die and go to hell. That's why he sent his son into the world to die on Calvary. To take our place. And he offers to whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God has offered it as a free gift. One God. One mediator. One way. To get to that one heaven. For all of mankind. And it's free. For the taking. If we understand. God's way of salvation. It's by grace. We don't deserve it. It's through faith. We must believe that he has offered it. And we must make a choice to receive it. And it's without anything else. It's not, I believe in Jesus Christ. I've received him as my Savior. And I've been baptized. I've received him as my Savior. And I'm a membership of, in a church for years. I've received Christ as my Savior. And I'm trying to do the best I can. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and I'm trying to help mankind by, by paying it forward to do other things for Him. You know, it's, it's not Jesus Christ and uh, anything else. It's only Jesus Christ. And if I answer it's anything other than only Jesus Christ, we're not there. We're not on his side when it comes to salvation. Secondly, it means that we believe the scriptures. We believe the truth. We believe God's truth. That's what the scriptures are. Some people say, I believe the scriptures. At least in these here and this over here and this right here. But I don't know about this way over here. You know what I mean? Well, who made you God that you can choose what... Scripture is God's word and what's Scripture is not God's truth. It's not up to us to choose. In fact, the Scripture tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for us. Every verse of Scripture in the Bible, God has given it to us, God has preserved it to us, 
And it is profitable for us. It is God's truth. And if you do not believe that, you're not on God's side. God's side means that we understand and believe what the scriptures say, the truth. To place yourself under the authority of God's word. Believing it and showing you believe it by obeying it. It means also that we do not embrace sin. How does God feel about sin? He hates it. So much that he sent his son to die to pay for the wages of sin. It's a serious thing. Wednesday night I shared with our folks a quote from John Wesley, the great preacher. It says, Give me a hundred people who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. Such alone will shake the gates of hell. Give me a hundred people that fear nothing but sin and, and desire nothing but God. And you can turn your world upside down. We've got almost 100 people here. We'll try that this morning with people on vacation. But just a group our size. If we feared nothing but sin and desired nothing but God, what a difference we could make. What a difference it would make in us. Despise the exceeding sinfulness of sin. That's what God does. But there are some enlightened people, we would say, that look at things like drunkenness and lying and theft and lust and sexual perversions, and they say it's just diseases of the mind. Diseases of the mind rather than willful choices of rebellion against God. His word. Abraham Lincoln once said, uh, he asked his critics, said, if you call a cow's tail a leg, how many legs will a cow have? His critics said, five. He shook his head and said, no. Just calling its tail a leg doesn't make it so. You can call sin by any other name, but it doesn't make it so. We have to get on God's side and see sin the way that he sees it. We need to deal with sin in our lives the way that God wants us to deal with it, not the way that the world says that we should look and give excuses. There are many other examples that we can look at, but all of it comes down to are we standing with God and are we standing with his ways? what he says. Second question. Why? Why be on the Lord's side? Why is it important? Duh. It seems obvious in a sense, but let's understand that since, since there is the Lord's side, we must understand then obviously there must be another side. And there's only one alternative. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 30, He that is not with me is against me. There is no third option. You're either with God or you're against God. There are only two positions available. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 13, you remember the verses there where he spoke about there are two gates? There's the narrow gate, there's the wide gate. One leads to life, one leads to death, destruction. Matter of fact, that passage goes on down and, and through uh, to the end of the, of the chapter. And notice, I'll remind you of the twos that Jesus used. There are two gates, the narrow and the wide. There are two ways, life and death. There are two kinds of fruit, good and rotten. By that fruit you shall know them, he said. There are two kinds of fruit, good and rotten. There are two kinds of people, wise and foolish. There are two foundations, the rock and the sand. And there are two houses, 
one that will stand and one that will fall. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And when the storms of life came or the test of salvation, let's say specifically, his house stood. In other words, his salvation was correct. But it says the wise man, how did he become that? He was one that says, if you hear these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto the wise man that built his house upon the rock. It's hearing the word of God and doing it. It's hearing the way of God and getting on the Lord's side with it. That's the difference. That's the wise man that built his house upon the rock. And when the test came, his house stood. And there was a change in his life because by the fruit in his life, the evidence in his life, you could recognize him. He was on the narrow way that leads to life everlasting. The two ways. There are only two ways. The Lord says. Dr. W. A. Griswell wrote. says there are two camps. One is the Lord's and the other is Satan's. A man is either for holiness or he is for sin. A man is either in league, league with the devil or he is a fellow heir with the angels of heaven. There is truth and there is falsehood. A man is either on his way to heaven with all of its glories, or a man is on his way to hell with all of its agonies. A man is either for God or he is against him. It is one or the other. A man chooses for himself which it shall be. So true. And there is no room to ride the fence. There is no synagogue of the undecided. You're either for God or you're against Him. Some people argue and say, you don't understand. I've not made a choice. I'm not decided. I don't believe any of that. That's okay. Okay. You know what that's called? You're still in your default setting. You know what our default setting is when we're born in this world? We're dead in our trespasses and sin. That's the way that we come into this world. And if we do not change anything by choice in receiving God's way of salvation, we are going to die in our trespasses and sin and we'll go to hell. Because we've got to pay the penalty of our sin. But the good news is if Jesus Christ paid it for us, it will accept God's way. The choice is yours. Choose wisely for their eternal consequences. Last question. I'm going to take a half hour for this one. Hang on to the point. What are the characteristics of being on the Lord's side? What does it look like? What are the characteristics of being on the Lord's side? Well, first, I believe it involves confession of sin. It includes repentance. In our passage here that we read with Moses, who, uh, who is on the Lord's side, let him come unto me and all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. When Moses asked that, the tribe of Levi gathered over there. They were not testifying of their innocence when it came to the golden calf. Remember, Aaron is the one that made it. Aaron was Moses' brother. Aaron was a Levite. It wasn't that the Levites had no sin but they stepped away from their sin and repentance and chose to stand with Moses. Which I believe also, according to Scripture, includes our confession of sin. In Psalm 51, there was a testimony of a great man, a man after God's own heart, but a man that wasn't perfect. His name was King David. And you remember King David's sin with Bathsheba? It wasn't just adultery. 
But then there was the lying to cover up the adultery. There was the scheming to try to get clear of it. And ultimately there was the murder of her husband. And while he did not repent and confess, he testified earlier in the Psalms that, that inside of him he ate with holding on to that guilt that constantly bothered at him. But then when God confronted him and he came clean, he genuinely turned from his sin and says in Psalm 51, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Forgive me, Lord, of my sin. He says, for, in verse 3, For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. There was repentance, a turning from his sin. And there was an acknowledgement, a confession of his sin. You can read on in the chapter there, but I want you to, to see what he says as it comes down to verse 16 and 17. It says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I will give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. In other words, God is not interested in us sinning and come back confessing, sinning and come back confessing. He wants us to stay clear. But when sin comes into our life, what does He want? He says in verse 17, The sacrifices of God or a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, contrite, a remorseful, a remorseful heart, O oh God, thou will not despise, you will not disregard. God is interested in our brokenness over our sin. When we recognize our sin, instead of regarding that sin in our life and doing nothing about it, which causes God, us to be out of fellowship in our relationship with God, Instead of doing that, He wants us to be broken over our sin. He wants us to turn from it and acknowledge it unto Him in confession because He is faithful and just to forgive. But it's that broken heart. And to come to that point, there must be humility on our part. You see, pride in our life is what gets in the way of repentance and confession so often. It's pride in our life that keeps us from saying, Lord, I was wrong. What I did was wrong. We must humble ourselves Repent of our sin and confess it to God. He will forgive. Being on the Lord's side involves repentance and confession. Confession of sin. Secondly, it involves consecration to service. People on the Lord's side are in service with the Lord. Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, 24, No man can serve two masters. Are we talking about two sides? You can't, you can't do both of them, Jesus said. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or else you're going to hope to the one and disregard the other. Despise the other is the word. You can't serve God and man. What is man? Could be fortune, fame, power, pleasure. The other thing. You can't serve God and anything. Jesus says, I want to have the preeminence, the first place. If I cannot have first place in your life, I don't want any place at all. Because he's not going to sit down for second place. You're either with me or you're against me. 
There is no second place that I'm satisfied with. Nothing comes before me. Who is on the Lord's side? Confession of sin. Consecration of service. We must choose to serve God only. And then connection with the saints. When the Levites made their choice to be on the Lord's side, it meant joining Moses where he was. It meant joining Moses where he stood. Where were they standing? They were standing with the other idolaters. Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? They didn't just say, hey, we are over here, but we're going to stay right here with the idolaters. Moses made it clear. Who's on the Lord's side coming to me? And they moved and came and stood. They left where the idolaters were. They left where the sin had been. Not only had they repented and confessed their sin, but now they separated themselves from it. And they joined themselves with other of like choice, and they stood there with Moses. We have the same choice before us this day. We can say, who's on the Lord's side? And we can respond, I am, mark me down. But the greater test is when it comes to our confession of sin, repentance of it. It comes with our service of the Lord. And it comes with our connecting with standing with other believers of like choice. We do that through a church such as this. I would hope. Can there be some idolaters in here? Absolutely. Can there be other believers in here that have sin in their life that they're stubbornly hanging on to? Sure, that can be true. But the challenge for us is to be on the Lord's side, not just in word, but in deed. That our testimony and example before others would be true. And you have that choice to make. It remains standing with other believers when it comes to church attendance. When it comes to church membership, I don't say a lot about church membership, but it's important. It's patterned after the first church in Acts uh, chapter 2. It says that those that believers that got saved, they were baptized, and then they were added into the church. How do you add somebody into the church? That correlates today with what we call church membership. And some people say, you know, I'm saved, I've been baptized. I don't know about this membership thing, you know, I, I, just, you know, I just become a ten. That's good enough for me. Okay? What about the Lord's side? I mean, membership is not my idea. What do I get out of you being a member of this church? Not a single thing. I don't get a thing out of it. It's not for me. Join in this church as a member is for you. And the benefit of it is because you are aligning yourself with what God says is right to do. It's in obedience to you. How do we do that, Pastor? You can come right to me and say, Hey, Pastor, I, I'd like to join the church. And then I'll tell you, well, one. I'd like you to come forward in a service and an invitation. Kind of hard to have some invitations today. We'll try to do one today. And and say, I'd like to join the church, and I'll explain that that um, we'll have you look at the constitution of our church, our, our doctrinal statement, and see if you're in agreement with it. Number one, you should be a member of this church unless you agree with our, our doctrine, our teaching. And then I'm going to ask for you to sit down with the deacons and myself and Give a testimony of how you came to know Christ as your Savior, that you've been, been baptized after you were saved, 
by mercy? If that's true, then, and if it's not, I mean, if you're saved and you haven't been baptized, then we would set up a time for you to be baptized and need to be baptized before you join, join the church. And then the next business meeting, we would vote you in officially as a member of the church. That's the way it works at our church. But you would indicate that you would desire that, if that's what your desire is. If your desire is to confess your sin and get right with God, you don't have to do that to me. I'm not, a, I'm not your priest. Well, I am a priest. So are you. A priesthood of the believers. We go directly to the throne of grace. And we address our Father, which is in heaven. We, we tell Him of our repentance and and that we admit our sin unto him, and he's faithful and just to forgive us. But you need to do it. Don't put it off. Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? The Levites didn't just say it. But they took steps to stand with Moses. Our actions speak much louder than words. Don't you agree? That's the appeal that God has given to us this morning. Who is on the Lord's side? How will you respond? You bow your heads right now. Our ladies are coming to play silent, quietly with the instruments. It's a thrilling thing to see any person, any day, anywhere, stand up publicly for God. Whether it be adults, whether it be youth, teenagers, our children, whole families. It's a thrilling thing to see that. What about you this morning? Are you on the Lord's side? Are you on the Lord's side when it comes to dealing with your sin in your life? Will you do that right now? God has laid upon your heart and has brought something to your mind, a sin that is there that you have not confessed unto Him. Will you deal with that right now? Don't go any further without stopping and saying, Lord, you know my heart. You know that I want to be free from it. Confess it to Him. Receive His forgiveness. And then look back to the, the armor of God that we looked into. How do we defend ourselves against the fiery darts of temptation? Do those things. Are you on the Lord's side? Will you consecrate yourself today to serving the Lord? Maybe you're here today and you say it. God knows by heart that I'm willing to serve Him, but I don't have an active outlet of that right now. I'm not asking you, do you have an active outlet, but do you have an active heart that's willing? Will you consecrate yourself this morning to serving the Lord? Have you made that all-important connection with your local church? Okay, membership... I want to stand together with these local believers to be a part of this church. And in attendance, I want to be found faithful in being here in God's house. That I may serve the Lord and may learn more of Him. These are the questions that come when we ask ourselves, are we on the Lord's side? Have we responded in such a way? Right now, I'm going to ask a few questions. Number one, if you know for sure that you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, there is no question. It's not Jesus and anything else, but only Jesus Christ. You have made the choice to receive Him and Him only. Can I see your hand up high right now? You say, Pastor, I know that I made that choice. No question in my mind. Thank you. You put them down. You couldn't raise your hand right then. 
What about now? You say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure if I know the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I'm not sure if I understand completely what that salvation that God is. is but I want to be on God's side when it comes to his salvation. I want to make sure that I have believed what he wants me to believe. I have chosen what he wants me to choose so that one day, not only will I have a home in heaven, but he will have made and changed my life in such a way that I can be a testimony for him to others. Would that be your desire this morning to make that choice? Could I see your hand? I won't point you out, but just say, pray for me, Pastor. I'm not sure if I've ever made that decision, but I want to make sure today, anyone at all, for every one of us that know Jesus Christ as Savior, I'm going to ask you to do something right now I don't normally do. I'm not going to ask you to come forward up here to stand with me. But I am going to ask you to stand. If you are on the Lord's side, I'm not asking if you're perfect, but I'm saying, are you on the Lord's side? Have you done what God has said salvation-wise? Do you know that you're dealing with your sin the best that you can, that there's nothing else standing with you with God? Would you like to stand right here together with me today? you stand right now for the Lord? Who is on the Lord's side today? Thank you. Great. Amen. Praise the Lord. And some of you have a hard time standing physically. But I praise the Lord for everyone. You may be seated. Thank you. Appreciate every one of you. Appreciate you listening carefully this morning to the message. I appreciate you having a heart to stand for the Lord. I hope and pray every one of you minute that you, by the best of your knowledge, testify that you're on the Lord's side. That you want to serve Him. You want to be faithful in attendance. You want to to make sure that in testimony with your sin that, that there's nothing outstanding that you deal with your sin properly. That's so important. I praise the Lord for every one of you. Thank you for letting me be a part of your family here, our family together. Thank you so much. What a blessing. We could get this ended. Thank you. Amen.